Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Noah Bombeck's new film is Marriage Story. It's stunning. When I first saw the film, I could barely find the words to express my reaction. It felt that real, that honest. Bombeck is known for messy and realistic family dramas. The Squid and the Whale chronicles divorce. Margot at the Wedding explores the relationship between two sisters. The Meyerowitz stories tells of three adult siblings, different mothers, same father, negotiating resentment and love. But Marriage Story puts Bombeck on a plane with Woody Allen, Barry Levinson, and Mike Nichols in terms of directing talent. The writing, directing, and acting come together perfectly. Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson inhabit Bombeck's words with exquisite performances of a couple coming apart while parenting a young son. There have been plenty of comparisons between Bombeck's own life and his movies, especially so with Marriage Story. Bombeck and actress Jennifer Jason Lee divorced soon after they had a child. But Bombeck is quick to say his films are not autobiographical, they are personal. He admits that the process of turning real life into films is part of how he copes and makes sense of things. When hard things have happened to me in my life, and I mean, not only hard things, but, but certainly hard things have happened in my life, there is a kind of comfort, I think, in my mind of sort of what would this be if we put it in a movie. Um, I, I think... Uh, Something. Um, did you get to know? Did you know Mike Nichols much? I mean, yeah, you work with him, but you, the, I uh, worked with him and kept in touch with him. You're so good in working, girl. Though, yeah. Well, thank you. He said when uh, he I met him after Squid and the Whale, and um, he said it reminded me of why I got into the movie business in the first place, which is revenge. And I thought, I know what he means though, because again, it's not revenge on a person. 
it's almost like revenge on experience or or and from that with that movie it was kind of childhood it was like a way for me to stand up for my younger self as an adult now who had a voice that that child didn't have and I think I do think of that sometimes in in my life, not necessarily while I'm going through it, but sort of maybe soon after if, of that there's a kind of soothing way of like, what would that be, whether or not it ever becomes a scene in a movie or not. Um, I've definitely had that in like hospital situations where I, the movie I made before the Meyerowitz stories, um, my father had been in the hospital for a long time and I... You were close to your dad. I, I was, yeah. Um, and... I mean, if I imagine you've spent some time in hospitals, it's sort of, you know, it's such a, a, I mean, not unlike the divorce system. It's like the ways you learn to function only work in that environment. They don't have any practical application outside of that environment. You know, like how you work with a nurse or a doctor and then the changing nurse and then that doctor's going on vacation. And, and I didn't make a movie about it for many years later, but I felt like, well, that was a certain kind of reappropriating that situation and turning it into something else. One of the things, among many things I'm reminded of when I saw your film, because I wrote a book about my divorce, not necessarily because I changed a lot of details and I assigned a lot of stories and ideas to fictitious characters that I made up in in fictional uh, oral histories because I didn't want to say too much about specific people. But if your films are, are, are personal but not autobiographical, I'm assuming that when you do these films, uh, like Squid and the Whale and Marriage Story, there's a lot you leave out. Uh, is that a process for you of what stays in and what doesn't go in? Yeah, it is. And, and with Marriage Story, a lot of it was what I discovered in writing it, or once I had a draft of it, was that it worked best when I stayed on the process and the story of the divorce itself because all the life stuff as as in in your book you you write about this wonderfully too is that the life stuff doesn't stop for you to get divorced even though the divorce takes over your life and kind of you got to go to work. Uh, yeah, you have to go to work. You still have to be a parent, and you have to be a parent even if it's difficult to be with your kid. You're, you're now with your kid, and you're distracted by the divorce. And so I felt like I, I just have to acknowledge that and tell that story, and all of those life moments will be there because that is the movie too. And it was these other scenes that were more sort of maybe set piece scenes that were kind of just taking and they were just other things. They were and and so I that was the stuff I really stripped away in the script stage uh, for Marriage Story. You wrote it yourself, the screenplay. Yeah, completely. Yeah. When you when you write something, do you have people who counsel you that you respect and you hand them drafts and they, you get notes from them and yeah. ideas from them? Many. Yeah, I, I show Greta Gerwig, who, who I live with. Um, uh, everything. And she also is a sounding board even early on when I'm... You're married. Uh, you two got married. We're not technically married, not technically. but we have a child. But, and, yes, so we... Right. So you have your current love of your life and your child. She's the sounding board for the movie about your divorce from your... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, well, but but just anything, we'll say. Any, right. any ideas. Across the board. Uh, across the board. And I have friends, uh, director friends, writer friends who I, who I might... Uh, uh, certainly that I'll show early drafts to. I bring my editor, Jen Lame, uh, in always from early drafts because uh, my idea is that we should almost cut the script the way we're going to cut the final movie. So I um, involve her. Not a lot her. of fat. Yeah. So like, let's shoot what we think we're really going to use. And 
Why do you think you do that as opposed to, I mean, some people don't do that. Most don't do that. Well, I feel like for me, time is so important. Uh, I mean, it's important for every director, I imagine, but I want to have time with these scenes and time for the actors and be able, I like to do a lot of takes and I want to, I want to be able to explore, not totally unlike you might in a play or something, you know, be able to, you know, get as much out of these scenes as we can get and not feel like, oh, I wish we You want to look sure in another... what you know and your heart really matters as opposed to stuff that they're not so sure. Yeah. And I find also when I'm working with actors who I love, who really, when it's really clicking, they're always giving me ideas while we're doing it. A lot of my direction comes from things they do in a scene that gives me an idea of how we could push the scene in, in that direction. So I don't want to shoot scenes or, or things that I'm not going to use if I can avoid it. I mean, there's always stuff you cut. But if, if I can get the script as close to what I think the movie is going to be, I feel like all the better. I mean, the movie's an amazing movie. It's an amazing movie. Thank and you. And you don't, you know, you're an enormously talented director. You're an enormously talented writer. And you also happen to get the two actors that would be, in my mind, everyone's dream to do a drama like that. I mean, he's at the top of his game. Everybody yeah. thinks he's one of the five most talented men alive today. And her, the same thing. She's almost on another planet in terms of her range and things she's done. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering... What's the path to them with you? Is it a formal process through representation, or is it like you're having dinner with Barry Levinson and he says, "I can call Adam"? You know, is it? Is it... Well, this is my fourth movie with Adam, so I've because right. I, I, so you I knew Adam. I knew Adam. I cast Adam in Francis Ha off an audition, and it was before Girls had come out, so I hadn't seen him in anything. He just came in, and I, and so I've had a relationship with him since then, and. Um, so it, it for, for us, and we become friends. And what was it about him that's, uh, if you can... Well, he, Adam described acting as benign rebellion once. It, uh, it was, we were doing an interview together and he said it and I just, it was one of those things where you've, you're doing press and you're all saying the same things over and over. And then I, he suddenly said this, I hadn't heard this before. And I thought, what a, what a, an interesting, great way to describe what, an actor does and also very much what he does which i do find he's both in serving the material the movie the story always but he's always looking for true moments spontaneous things that activate him and so he is pushing constantly and so he'll and and he'll say things to me like i think i'm not going to cross my legs in this take and I know he has a reason because it's going to change something for him that might have great ripple effects for the scene. I may not even know why or hadn't even thought about the fact that he was crossing his legs. I was maybe thinking or watching something else. And that's he, he's very aware and unaware at the same time. It's that conscious, unconscious thing that actors do. And it's my favorite way to work. He's also – he is – he loves rehearsing. He loves doing many takes. He knows every bit of dialogue down to the ellipse, and he's thought about it, and he has the the uh, the hesitation as it's scripted. He's found his way into it. I mean, it's it's um, it really is that thing 
forget who said this, but someone said about poetry that it it gives you your own thoughts back with added majesty. And I find he gives me back my words and and my... You have to make every film with him now. Yeah, I know. Well, I, I, I would like to. I mean, he's really uh, special. He's also... Um, he also is, you know, he's, he's like, you know, he's like this. He can talk. We, we talk about movies in general. It's not all about just his performance. Or He's always very interested in what the story is going to be, what the movie as a whole. It's not it's not just about, you know, he's a real collaborator in, in the bigger sense, too. I love that. But what's it like to approach someone? You've known him for a while now and you are friends with him to approach him as things with him are at the boiling point now in terms of his career. Is it hard to get him to do you have the kind of relationship where he turns to the rest of the world and says, Shh, I'm talking to Noah on the phone and he goes in your direction? Or yeah, is it tough he'd... to find a window in his in his schedule? Well, he's things have to be planned now. He's busy more carefully, but he he will make the time because it's something he he feels he strongly wants to do about. It, your yeah. thing. Yeah. Now, what about her? How did you approach her? She, I'd known a, a little bit just over the years. We'd almost done a thing together, probably about ten years ago or something. So I, and I, I'd always sort of felt like oh, at some point I'm gonna, I'll have something I feel is right for her. And Adam and I talked about it. This was even before the script was really written. We talked about well, who would be the right person, you know, for this movie. And she was both of our first idea. So I reached out to her. I just emailed her and 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 uh, and said, I think maybe I have something we could do together. And we met for lunch, and then she arrived and said, "Sorry, I'm late. I was on the phone with my lawyer. I'm going through a divorce." And I thought, oh, Jesus. <laughs> wow. So I, I thought, well, then this is either going to be great or or, or terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, disaster. Uh, to her credit, it was it was great. She she went in that direction. She just was saw it as a way to you know to uh, to take it on. It. Yeah, her career is so varied. Yeah, I mean, she can she can convey innocence and and a sweetness and a vulnerability and a and a and a and a, and a, and a kind of I don't want to I don't know what the word is kind of a when she did under the skin kind of a deadness right kind of an emotional neutrality that's like a, a like she's from another planet you know there's an essence to her that she can manipulate mm-hmm. and on screen she's she, she's one of the few actresses I know that, that comes across a completely different people when she performs yeah well there's there's a thing scripted the, the thing that was in the script um which i wrote thinking about her because she's an actor in the beginning there it's the closing night of their theater company and and uh their home and things are tense and he can't help but give her a note even though she's never going to play this part again he's going to give her a note on the on the on the final performance and she says that she has trouble crying on stage you know that what follows is she turns and is sobbing in life in the movie in life and i felt she could both convey the sort of that 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 moment of uh, that sort of defensive moment of uh of and then turn and just completely open up you know within it's 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 you know it is literally in a turn she turns and starts crying and that's uh, you know something having her in mind while I'm writing gives you the idea for something like that. You grew up in Brooklyn. 
Yeah. And your parents got divorced when you were how old? I was uh, 14 when they, when they finally, my father finally moved out. And it, what did your father do for a living? He was a writer. He was a teacher at Brooklyn College. And he, what did he teach? He, he ran the creative writing program, for a PhD program at, at uh, Brooklyn College. And then he also was a, he was a writer, a novelist and short story writer, um, uh, but also did film criticism. It was, he was sort of of that era where you kind of did all, the, you know, like there was that kind of intellectual life where you did many things. There was less and your mom a, was a film critic as well? My mom became a film critic. Uh, she was a film critic, I should, but, but became, for me, it was later in my life. It was, it was when I was... Uh, really, when I went to college, um, she also had written fiction and had some stories in The New Yorker and had also taught. And I mean, the way my brother and I always described it is that art in our family was kind of like religion. It was the, the highest. On. Yeah. The, and the highest sort of thing to, to aim for. Now, when you were growing up, because I ask practically everyone who works in film and television and beyond, you know, uh, or if they're in music, I ask them regarding their early years in terms of music appreciation. What was film and television in your childhood? What was that like? Film was a big... My parents really loved movies, so they took me to a lot of movies. Yeah. You went to go see Sorrow and the Pity when you were eight years well, old. Well, <laughs> kind of. Uh, uh, but they also were into what I was into also. My father particularly made a real effort to t go to, I, you know, I was born in 69, so it was sort of the, er the early 80s is when I was started like really kind of branching out in terms of movies. And uh, he would go with me really to anything. I mean, we would just go to movies. Right. And, and I like that. Yeah. yeah. And we'd see. What does it matter? Yeah. And if it sucks, then we learned that. Yeah, we learned that. And we could, and we would have, <laughs> you know, I remember seeing all these Richard, because, you know, I love Richard Pryor, and we'd go to all these just terrible Richard Pryor movies and, and um, that he was clearly doing for a paycheck. Silver Streak. Yeah. Well, Silver Streak was a pretty good one. Oh, good one. Uh, <laughs> but, but I remember there was one called Some Kind of Hero with Margot right. Kidder, which is, I, I remember we were both so baffled we couldn't believe how bad it was and um but that was kind of almost as good as an, an what experience what else are we going to do yeah exactly yeah. and just going and sitting and your religion it was in a sense and he you know and big he was of you know of the mind that we don't spend the extra money on the concessions so it really was just the movie we <laughs> where did he grow up where was he from he's from brooklyn too he's brooklyn. he um his father was a painter and uh, he grew up in Brooklyn. He went to Brooklyn College. He went to New Utrecht High School, and then he went to Brooklyn College. A painter like the painting hanging on the wall or the wall itself you paint? Uh, the, kind of like the one hanging on the wall. An artist. He's uh, an artist. Yeah. And your mother, where was she My from? My mother was from, uh, her whole family's from the South. Her name's Georgia Brown. She was named after Georgia, the 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 place. And uh, her father worked for Coca-Cola, so they traveled a lot. Uh, and when I was... Older, her parents were living in Seattle, but they had all started in the South. Did you know? I mean, I'm, I'm from things I've read. I'm under the impression you knew pretty early on where you were headed. I wanted it. I wanted to make movies very badly, but I'd never. I wasn't around anybody who made them, so I had no. Even though my parents were so into movies, it, it, our experience in movies was kind of like living in Brooklyn. We felt both sort of around where things were happening, but never. It was never actually happening to us. Right. It was that feeling always a feeling outside. And and I think my father felt that quite a bit. He felt outside. He felt unrecognized as a writer, a novelist. And, uh, and there was always this feeling of like, 
not it's not happening here it's over there you went to vassar i went to vassar and what, what did you study film i they didn't really have much of a film program then i mean they had a film studies program i'd watch movies but i was an english major uh when you finished at vassar what did you do i wrote a script, but I'd never actually seen a script before. I, I was, I, I like printed out. I'd seen them like published, but I didn't realize like those were often just transcripts. They would retype from the movie itself, and it was uh, before any kind of like final draft or any formatting program. So I was just I I, I got so hung up. I'm I'm pretty anal about these things. So I I was trying to get all the tabs right on my typewriter and then on my computer, you know. And uh, so I was just... Uh, it, I, so you're my, writing a page a month. Yes, and my whole experience is tabs and, and trying to center everything and get the... Um, Before they had those pre-writing, yeah, the screenwriting program. It was awful. I, and then you'd print it and realize one was off. And, uh, and I wrote what became my first movie uh, called Kicking and Screaming. How old were you? Well, I guess I started writing it, I guess, when I was like 22, 23. Where were you living? Well, I, first, after college, I, I was a messenger at The New Yorker, uh, which was my summer job. And then after I got out of college, I guess it was potentially my job. Uh, but then I moved to Chicago uh, because I had a lot of friends who were doing improv and theater in Chicago. And I wanted to kind of just be around them. And um, You needed some laughs. I needed some laughs, yeah. It was, and the, yeah. I moved to Chicago. I, I did improv a bit, too. I liked it. Wasn't that different from writing in a way? It, it was. How long were you there? I was there, uh, not that long, under a year, um, and then. But I was writing this script, and then I came back to New York and set out trying to make it. I had two friends from college, uh, uh, Jeremy Kramer and Jason Blum. Uh, Jason, the Jason Blum. Yes, and we had all lived together in college. Jason and I lived together in Chicago, and then we uh, all sort of. I said, well, why don't we, why don't you produce this and let's try to make it. Um, what was the budget? Well, we, we didn't even know what, <laughs> what we the still budget. Don't know. We still don't know. But I, when it it's ended, still not in profit. It ended up getting made for a million dollars, which was way more than I thought it would. But it was made in a way that was unexpected and after it had fallen through many, many times by this company, Trimark, which was a video company who wanted maybe to get into sort of a Miramax kind of business and they wanted content. Yeah. And they, they made it for, for a million dollars, which again, I, I felt like it's a lot of money for your first movie. Yeah. I, I, in a way it was too much. It was, it was, um, now I, I always think about this now and, and, and I've heard Jason say this too. I think now we would have just made it cause you could with cameras. Now the digital's, Right. cameras had hadn't film. really yeah and you, i cut i did cut on film that was i had on on kicking and screaming was the um i had the whole experience of cutting on film and uh all pre-digital it was just as it turned i just worked with a bunch of people you know my my production company where i was and it's a generation of filmmakers who really don't know anything else they do it because they just don't know anything else and uh, they shot this film for, I can't remember, maybe it was like 12 days, like two six to six day weeks. And uh, they shoot the film for $175,000. And he just got into Sundance. That's great. You know, he does, but but it's, it's, it's like you see the way the movie business now is like anything goes. You know, you just get it up there. Well, there is more opportunity now because of that, that you can do. I mean, I, I made Francis Ha digitally with a crew of about seven people. Because I felt like 
in a sense, it was like making a first movie I never made. And but I thought also, why don't I do it now with everything I know and and that I've learned, um, and use the the fact that we're kind of under the radar as. Uh, there would be certain limitations, but How there, many actually, days? there would be freedoms. Well, what I did is I shot for sixty days because I because it was so much less to shoot. It's like the film version of like if you dig down, you'll into the earth, you'll end up in China. Right. You know, like it was it was it was like we'll actually have more freedom in certain ways because nobody knows we're doing this and we're so small and um, and we shot on consumer digital camera. We shot on the five D. It was black and white. And it was great. I mean, and, and it, you know, it's, it was, and my feeling was, I'm not going to do this to make it like a B-side. I'm going to do this because it's, I, I think this is the best thing for this movie and will be the best version of this movie. Noah Bombeck co-wrote Francis Ha with his partner, Greta Gerwig. She also starred in the movie. Bombeck is known for wanting a lot of takes from his actors. To hear from one of those actors, take a listen to my conversation with Jeff Daniels. I gotta create. I gotta create. You can't have a regular job. I can't. Once you start to understand you're creating a character in a musical in a community theater or college or whatever, and boom, boom, you start to go down that road. Uh, it's like the sharks. You gotta keep moving. My full conversation with Jeff Daniels is at heresthething.org. He starred in Bombeck's The Squid and the Whale. More on that film coming up. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian cocktail maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get Mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make Mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Promoting Marriage Story, Noah Bombeck has been deflecting questions about his own personal life. When the Squid and the Whale came out, a story about a Brooklyn family and what happens when the parents divorce, Bombeck had to deal with the reaction of his own parents. They knew it was coming. I mean, it it was... It, again, because it was different. It wasn't our exactly. situation. Sure. But but there were... The, there were a few teaspoons the, of it in there. The milieu was was familiar. And they were good sports about it. I mean, they... Um, I think one thing that was hard for them, which I didn't anticipate, and I was that people would assume then that things that were in the movie were true and talk to them about it as if they were true things. Right. So I, I, I guess I hadn't thought of it that way that, oh, well, this will all be perceived as true in their lives from other people. So I, that could be a drag, I was, I'm sure. They're friends over dinner. like Yeah, like, oh, we didn't know that was going on in the house. And it's like, well, it wasn't really or that I didn't, uh, I guess I didn't anticipate when I, when, I, when I was working on it. Now, let me say, you know, your ex is one of my favorite actresses. I had, like, she's one of my top three favorite actresses. She's fantastic, yeah. I had one of the greatest experiences of my life. I've always said that. Working with her, she was just so free and inventive. Miami Blues. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, we. I I, I do that movie with her, and I learned from her, which I thought to myself, I wasn't wasn't prepared for that when I was working back then. But what are the pitfalls for you of you, of your primary, of your roommate, wife, what have you, your loved one, being an actress and you're a director? (laughs) What would you warn other directors about that? Well, I mean, in both with Jennifer and Greta, they're both wonderful actors, and they're also... They're both filmmakers. I mean, the, Jennifer. When I met Jennifer, she had just made the anniversary party. She had directed with Alan Cumming, which is is a really great movie. They both have a kind of incredible ability of being very present, as you're saying, like free and present as actors. Um, but also, they're storytellers, I guess, in that way. You know, and um, and Greta's an amazing director and writer, and and so uh, I guess I never thought of it so much as like director actor in that in the yeah, way no, you're, I always wonder I, I I always think of it in terms of you know uh, how great to be if you're going to be with an actress it's great to be with and you can't always pick them this way one is very talented yeah I, I found that but an increasing number of people they just they realized not that this was either good or bad it just it just occurred was they discovered they liked directing more than acting Right, and the acting started to get less and less and less because to find material to access material that is worthwhile, you know, Dustin Hoffman said to me in a meeting once a million years ago. He said to me, "Alec, we're all in line. Some of us are just in a shorter line <laughs> to get that good script and that good material." And, right. Well, yeah, and I think in both cases they both have written things that they've acted in to give themselves yeah. that that opportunity. It, it's. Um, uh, 
it's, it's actually, as you were saying that, I realized you've acted with both of them. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, we did Woody's movie. Yeah. We did Woody's movie. <laughs> but I remember I love doing them. I love Woody, and I love working with him, and it was always like, and what a treat to work with younger actors who I'm always so keen on. But while I still have you, I want to ask you, so, you know, in my life, I have worked with great directors, sometimes very small roles, and you come in, and they know very well what your function in the piece is. They know the whole panoply of the whole thing. And I'm not somebody who's ever been a big enough movie star uh, in the old school way to walk in and go, we need to fire Bob. You just get rid of the director. <laughs> right. But my point is, is when I'm sitting down with you in the earliest stages, do you think that that's job one for you is to help that person to understand what you want? Yeah, I think, well, I'm, I'm often interested in how the actor first comes at it without me saying anything. I mean, because I think a lot of it is in the rhythm of the lines and it, it's very dialogue driven musicality of the lines. And, and I think that helps the actor find it. I find usually when actors are having trouble with a scene, it's because they have the line wrong or they've dropped a line or they've inverted words. It falls flat. And I'll even sometimes forget what the real line is and be trying to figure it out. And then I'll look at the script and I'll realize, oh, it's... You're, he inverted. Yeah, you're doing... And and I find, uh, I find it helps them and me then to kind of hear the scene properly. There's a lot of blocking and physical stuff that I also find can help. I mean, it's like what Ilya Kazan would say he was a prop director, you know, that he... <laughs> they'd ask him, you know, about... What, how he how he directed, and he said, "I just come up with a lot of good props, and then the actors. I find that takes care of a lot for the actors. Um, but unless it's absolutely wrong for the story, um, I want the actor to suggest in in what they're doing suggests life beyond this scene, so that there's." In a different movie, in the Altman version or whatever, we might go with that person. And that 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 wouldn't be so surprising. We'll go with him to the parking lot yes. when he gets in the car. Yeah, because and you know, particularly if you have you know really interesting actor doing a smaller role, it's it you want all that stuff, you know. And I mean, it's not right for say the evaluator who comes and watches in Marriage Story if the the, the woman who comes to see observe Charlie and Henry have dinner and in his apartment. The whole idea of that is there's no life suggested beyond that scene. You know, it's 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 she's inscrutable. Um, but I wanted that from Alan Alda or Ray Liotta. That I mean, in a sense that you know, they're they nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! When I see Ray, I'm gonna go. You know, Ray, with all the things you've done with guns and shovels and horrible things you've done to people in movies, uh, you know, legendary movies. I go, but I think this is probably your most terrifying movie <laughs> I mean, he reminded me so much of this. My first lawyer who I fired in my book, Bob Kaufman, I'm going to say his name. He terrified me. We go into a conference, and as I would recite my story, I said, well, then they, she did this. And he literally, I mean, the, you never saw a man seethe. He'd look at his two guys next to him and go, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Like, everything I said was like another log on a fire right. of his battle scene. He was going to go and just 
cleave these people, you know. And I remember saying to myself, He's, I don't think I could be around this guy too much. So I, I fired Ray, and I hired Alan Alda. You went the other way. <laughs> I went with the female Alan Alda. I went with the female. But, but the reason I say this to you is because, and this is something where, do you see, and maybe I'm projecting or I'm, or I'm, I'm inlaying a lot of my own personal thing. Like, I've made films. I did this film, The Edge, with Tony Hopkins, and Lee Tamahori was the director. We had uh, a David Mamet screenplay. I was so excited to go do this movie, and Tamahori was somebody who didn't understand, really, the psychologics of Mamet's writing. It was rather Baroque. It was very Mametian. Right. And whenever he'd come across something he didn't understand, he'd cut it. So he'd say, he was, he was a Kiwi, I'll do my bad dialect, or he'd say, oh, uh, David does tend to go on a bit here, page 21. I thought, we cut these first four speeches, and I thought to myself, well, the way that David tends to go on in these speeches is the very reason I'm here, right. is to play the kind of weirdness. These guys are in a, like a weird zone. Everyone's taken something, maybe, and we're all weird. And, um, yeah, I like that movie. Well, we did that movie, and he takes it and makes it 70% psychological thriller and 30% action-adventure film and flips it in the cutting room. But one moment was we're there, and again, this was really one of the most painful moments of my life, is I've got to sell Tony on the idea of what I think the scene's about, because he's not going to say it. He's turning to us going, men, what do you think's going on here? He wanted us to direct the scene. But the point is, is when I come to work with you, I want so, and maybe this is wrong, the, the, the nature of actors becoming so self-directing. I want to come in and I want you to tell me. I want you to tell me. Right. Do you think that that's wrong? You want the actors to tell you also no, what they feel? No, I, want, I think that's, that's what I would hope actors come in. Uh, it doesn't mean, though, that you're not going to have ideas. You know, it's, but I think... You hope they would. I, well, it, it... You want to decipher what you want to do. Yes, yeah. Um, but I look at it as almost like creating sort of not unlike we were saying about Rob Reiner, what we were saying about Kazan. It's like create a kind of structure around them, uh, which is both in the dialogue and knowing your lines and and like I said, having the lines down uh, and you know blocking that's very specific. And then, then you don't have to worry about that stuff. You can be free within those parameters, and that it actually opens you up because you're not carrying, you're not trying to figure out how to make it work. That you're going with it. It doesn't mean, though, of course, if an actor, if something doesn't work for an actor, you know, I don't feel I wouldn't get up on this line. I'd want to stay. You know, that that of course should be. I mean, I listen always to that because it's. I mean, you have to believe it how much do you luxuriate in terms of composition and shooting or do you defer very often to your cinematographer how much of that's you and how much is that is them um i mean it's it's it is a collaboration i mean i i the way i generally do it is i i um you know and if it's somebody i've worked with before we we might have a shorthand and you know sort of going into it but i we kind of take the script and I go through every scene together in prep. Do you storyboard? I, I don't. I, I do sometimes, but I I'm such a bad drawer that I, I it frustrates me. So I end up more shot listing um, and doing little drawings and like you know things that look like football plays or things. And but but what I do is in some ways I describe how I picture the scene, and so I will give a kind of first pass on. Maybe he gets up here. He goes over there. This is the, the, and and then he'll respond. 
uh, Robbie Ryan in the case of Meyerowitz and Marriage Story. And he'll have his own take and say, but what if this? Or, or he'll say, that sounds right to me. Or, um, and we'll kind of do a first pass going through the movie that way. But I will give the, my first sort of interpretation, visual interpretation of every scene. And then we'll do a second pass now with our notes of the whole movie and see if we still agree with what we did the first time, which also will accompany then having locations and knowing now what the locations are and things can will always change or or can change. Sometimes you find the location that matches your, you know, what was in your head, but often you find a location that gives you new ideas or, uh, and then, then he, I will have him in the rehearsal with me, uh, often even shooting it on, video so that way when we're working with the actors and and just having the actors that will also then so it, usually by the time we're shooting we've done at least three passes of the whole movie uh, a, a kind of visual storyboard do you miss or, film i shot on film i shot uh um, up through greenberg i'd shot everything on film then francis mistress america and while we're young i shot all digitally and marriage Story? Marriage Story is 35 millimeters. Oh yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's great. Um, you have many pots on the stove. You know kind of other things you want to do, or does it come at you out of nowhere? I, both. I, I would say up for the last, since from Squid to Marriage Story, I would say I've always had, there's always a thing in the queue that's just finding its way. You know, as I'm finishing a movie, I'm just starting to think, about the next thing and this is the first time i i've got nothing, got nothing. <laughs> got nothing. i'm depleted you're going out on a good note though i'm depleted so, you yeah. go out on marriage story you've had a great uh, career i mean come on it's okay you it's can a, be a messenger it's, it's a my New Yorker. it's my 10th movie i think that's a good way Ten's to a good round stop. number to stop there it's you're not doing or i'll be, i'll just keep announcing my retirement and then unretiring but you don't but, have anything but yeah yet. this cigarette is i actually stubbed this one out and i don't didn't relight the other one so i i'm gonna have to Rub two sticks together. Yes, yes. Figure it out. Yeah. Noah Bombeck. Whatever comes next, I'll be there. Marriage Story is in theaters and on Netflix. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.